Okay, I'm almost ready. Yeah, the, to... this this like <laughs> papers is really good. <laughs> I. It's, it's also a really good uh, you, well, What my printer does is like it prints everything and it shoots it out. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and there's no page numbers. <laughs> we just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. We try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. <laughs> it's mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. about why we're having glasses of wine particularly today because we just came from a baby shower baby showers are hard social i know things i always feel like everyone's trying a little too hard like when someone does something like mildly funny like we're in a regular situation you'd be like we're at a baby shower if that same thing happens everyone's like 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 everyone just loses it come into I guess it's... They turn into witches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is the meeting of the cover. <laughs> I guess a baby shower. Babies, very good for sacrificing. <laughs> oh, that went very dark. That went very dark very quick. I really um, wanted to be so organized today for this, but I guess a baby shower put me off balance. That's what I'll blame. Or your printer put you off balance. I hate when I don't have the actual name of a person. Oh my God, it's so cold up here. That I thought I had. Oh my God, it's so cold. (laughs) It's not that cold. It's really cold. Drink a little wine. We need the wine to warm up today. That's why we're drinking wine. We should probably have hot toddies. What's that? I know it's a thing. What's in it? I believe it's whiskey, but I'm not 100% sure. I just know it's hot. I think hot toddies have lemon and because they're good for when you have a sore throat. Mm. All right. Okay. Okay. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to Freudian Sips. That always kind of sounds like you're walking into, (laughs) like, I don't know what. For some reason, I picture a cave. Don't ask me why. Hello. Hello. Is anyone there? Is anyone anyone listening? Hello. Is this thing on? That's basically what's happening hello is anyone listening you're you're listening to freudian sips welcome again to freudian sips should we be introducing i i thought of this last night should we be like introducing ourselves like hi i'm anna and i'm bonnie Good is job. that how you do it i guess okay because i mean if people are listening and they don't know us i've been told by a couple of people who listen to the podcast that our voices sound very similar 
Is it a good thing? I think it's good. Well, I guess I was just thinking if we introduce ourselves that they could kind of get, okay, this is the Bonnie voice. Today, my voice is kind of gravelly, though. I'm I, 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 kind of is. <laughs> I was going to give a really good. sexy, sultry voice, but you're like, no, I'm not No, now it's like, rah, rah. <laughs> When I was younger and got hoarse, then it might have been sexy, but now it just sounds like. The like, old witch at the bridal the shower? <laughs> yeah. Or the baby shower? That was it. Okay, so. Episode five. Episode five. Episode five. What are we talking about today? Something very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> yes. And perhaps yours, oh, Anna. definitely mine. Something called imposter syndrome. Yes. Imposter syndrome, which is very hard for me to look up because I always spell it with an E-R at the end, and most people apparently spell it with an O-R at the end. Impostor. Impostor. I don't know. It is also called impostor phenomenon. Sometimes. Phenomena. I love that bit. <laughs> That's a great bit. It's going to skate us through this whole episode. <laughs> this uh, subject was recommended by a friend of mine who listened to the show, Michelle. She said it would be interesting to talk about. And I remember when I pitched that to you. Your eyes got very big, <laughs> and you seemed like you didn't want to do this at all. Because some things hit too close to home. <laughs> I think I think imposter syndrome is something many people, especially who are in the adult world and in careers and in higher education, struggle with. I think if you haven't heard this term before and you're listening to this, once we start talking about it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think even if you're not actually full-blown having the syndrome, we all, I think that's a human thing, exactly what you just said, Anna. It's just a normal human adult thing to once in a while have fleeting moments of I'm not good symptoms. Enough. Yeah. That's what I wanted to say, of the symptoms of yeah. this. Even, even if you don't have it full-blown, you probably have the symptoms once in a while. Right. Because sometimes we just feel like, do you ever feel like, I mean, at your age, do you ever feel sometimes like, I wonder what it's going to feel like when I hit a certain age where I'm actually a grown-up. Oh, oh, like once I, once I reach this age, I'll be competent? Yeah. I think I gave up on that because I think I had it in my head. Like, you know, when you're a kid and you're like, when I'm 18 and I'm an adult, I'll be very knowledgeable. And then 18 comes and you're like, well, nope. And then you're like, maybe 21. Like, mm -hmm. if they're letting me drink, I'm competent, right? Eh, nope. So, 25? 25. Uh, nope. You can rent a car when you're 25, right? <laughs> that you got to be competent <laughs> if you're renting a car. Yeah, no, you you pass all those milestones. Mm -hmm. I, I remember uh, someone I knew once was telling me he's a few years older than me, and was telling me how it's like to get older. And he's like, "You're 18, and it's awesome. And then you get 19, and it's not as good. And then you get to 21, and it's awesome. And then after that, you're just older." <laughs> <laughs> You don't strive for any yeah, other age. Just like there's no there's no marker, I guess. Right. So I think it's just at some point I gave up thinking at some point I'll get it, and now mm -hmm. I just sort of of the mindset that no one gets it, and we're all just pretending to get it. And I think because you and I, Anna, are about the same age difference as my mother and I were, mm -hmm. and so when I was about your age, and maybe even a little bit younger, that I would look at my mom and think. She knows so much, and she knows how to fix everything. Whenever there's a problem, I knew that mom could fix it somehow. And even if she didn't know how, she'd figure out how. And I used to think, well, when I get to be her age, you know, by then I will, I'll have it all down. And now I am her age, and actually older than, it, you know, probably when I first started feeling that way about my mom. Mm -hmm. 
and I like don't have any of it. <laughs> Which is surprising because I look at you that way. I say, Aww. you know, my mom will know what to do and if I'm if I don't know how to like do an adult thing, I'll call you and say like <laughs> how do I do this adult thing and you'll tell me. So, and I think it's just sort of experience that we know that kind of stuff when we've gone through it. Like, I mean, my first year doing like taxes or like when I had to do something with my car, I would call you and you would know what to do. Just Re- because I had been through right, it. Right, right. Life experience. So that reinforced in me that you have your shit together really well. Why <laughs> oh, how do you fooled? <laughs> we all have each other yeah. fooled. So that feeling that we don't really know what we're doing is kind of a universal thing, I think. I think Mm -hmm. there are very few people who always feel like they know exactly what they're doing and they've got it down. I don't think I've ever met anyone. Right. For sure. Like, I don't think I've ever met anyone who's like, yeah, yeah. Maybe like, uh, maybe some really dumb people that I've met. Either either really not so intelligent people is the way I will say it, because I won't say they're dumb. Or really conceited people. Yeah. Who just have a self, an inflated. Just really self-important. Yeah. yeah. But I think but most. But that's a kind of ignorance too. Most people who have even some measure of self-awareness and like awareness about the world around them are going to be like, oh, I don't, I don't, I'm not supposed to be here. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm faking it. I'm faking it. So that's, I mean, we're kind of circling around. That's what imposter syndrome is. So imposter syndrome has, like you said, a couple different names. So it's also called imposter phenomenon. It's you like, think you were going to do it. <laughs> I'm not as good at it as you are, though. Uh, it's also called imposterism, fraud syndrome, imposter experience. Like, there's just a lot of different things that's been called. And what it is, is doubting your own accomplishments, your own experience, your own knowledge. This kind of constant, I'm afraid that people are going to find me out. This kind of constant fear that you're going to be outed as a fraud and that you've gotten to where you are just because you're really lucky or really good at faking it and that deep down you're just deceiving everyone. You're just pretending and everyone's buying it and that's how you've gotten to where you are in life. That Mm -hmm. you don't actually have competence, you don't actually have knowledge, you just... You're just sliding through and hoping everyone buys it and everyone does and then you just feel worse. So it's just this thing that a whole bunch of people experience where they think that luck or external factors are attributing to their success instead of their own capacity for doing that or their own skills or their own talents or any of that. Part of it is that you feel like you're deceiving others into thinking you're more intelligent than you actually are, Mm -hmm. which is interesting to me because... Like, I've met a few people in my life who are definitely trying to seem smart. And you can always tell. You can always tell that they're putting on airs. It's, I haven't met a lot of people like that. I've, I can, I've only met a couple people who really are seem like they're trying to be smart. Mm-hmm. So I think this is more about just being as you are normally and not trying to put on a front, but you still feel like you're putting on a front. Right. It's different than intentionally trying to deceive others or put on a front. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of being who you are normally and then thinking that that's not what you're supposed to be. And some of the reading that I did specifically in that area of like just being yourself mm-hmm. um, is even the idea that people, they'll get like a really good score on a test of some sort. They'll actually get a really good score right. being themselves, not cheating or anything. Right. But then somewhere 
down in them in their subconscious or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. they they think to themselves well I just got lucky yes. I just guessed well lucky I just... is very often what people attribute it to like mm-hmm. I just I just got lucky um mm-hmm. you know I didn't actually know what I was doing I just I just faked it till I made it mm-hmm. and you never really get that feeling of oh I'm actually making it now it's always I'm faking it and at the next turn someone's gonna find me out right and so part of the problem is that if you if you have that going on, then it would be fine if you were just like, I'm faking it till I make it, which quite frankly, many of us do in life. Right. We just fake it till we make it. And it turns out okay. And then what we should be doing is like, yay, I faked like, it I and made I made it. I did make <laughs> now it. Now I did it. I'm right. here. But instead, they, they get anxiety about about that. Yeah. We get anxiety about yeah. that because then we think, oh crap, well, I, I faked it that time, but the next time. Yes. Or someone's going to figure out I faked it, yeah. you know. It's so never it, enough to do the one thing because there's always something else that you're going to have to fake. Right. Exactly. And I even, I read stuff about like a journalist was talking about their imposter syndrome and they were talking about how winning awards and stuff even made the feeling worse. Mm -hmm. Because it's not like people don't read it as a validation of their accomplishments and oh, maybe I'm not faking it. They read it as, no, I'm faking it and everyone just buys it so good Mm -hmm. that they're giving me stuff for it and they shouldn't be because I'm just faking it. Mm -hmm. So it it really roots back to like feelings of insecurity and self-doubt and... So there's a concept in psychology, the the Adler inferiority complex, which we'll probably do an episode on Adler at some point. Mm -hmm. But it's just this idea that everyone has that inferiority thing in them, that everyone struggles with that. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the imposter syndrome specifically, it's it's not like an official diagnosis or anything. Like imposter syndrome is not in the DSM. It's not like... If you go to a counselor, I know I've talked about imposter syndrome with several of my clients because, like I said, many people have it. Mm -hmm. So I've talked about it with them, but it's not like I'm going to write on their assessment like, oh, their diagnosis is imposter syndrome. Like, that's not how it works. But a lot of the symptoms in imposter syndrome correlate to depression symptoms. So the feelings of hopelessness and the feelings of not wanting to try and, and, and stuff like that. And, and a lot of it goes into anxiety, too. So exactly. the feelings of imposter syndrome overlap with a lot of actual diagnoses in the DSM. Mm-hmm. So you might, you might go to a counselor and have a diagnosis of, of generalized anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then your counselor might talk to you about, you know, do you... You realize you kind of have this thing going on here, right. and let's talk about that. So, right, yeah, exactly. Do you want to know um, about where this idea came from? I do. I was just going to ask you, mommy. Okay. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell, tell you the me story. story. Okay. So this term, imposter phenomenon. Do 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 do. Phenomenon. <laughs> I'm not going to do this every time. Yes, you are. <laughs> oh no. I won't do it a lot. I won't do it. Bit. Okay. It was actually introduced in 1978, which was before your time, Anna Banana, but hey, (laughs) I was a junior in high school, and I was living high on the hog (laughs) in 1978. Great. Did you you write this? Did you write the paper that it came from? (sighs) I was a little young to be in on this, but if they would have known me, they probably would have asked me to be in it, (laughs) in their study, because though I loved the disco music that was happening in 1978, I also had quite a bit of anxiety. And actually, you know, I was a junior in high school. I probably did have some of that even way back then. Oh, this is really weird that I just thought of this. Tell me. Well, because at that time, so in 1978, I was a junior in high school. I was getting really good grades. Were you a junior in high school? 
78. Right. It was like the were end you, of my you junior. You said junior in high school like four times. Oh, is that why you're giving me yeah. crap? Were you a junior? Well, was and then I was a senior because I graduated in 79. So everybody could figure out my age now. That is which how it is works. Fine. Sure. Although I was, I was very young in high school. I was still out. No. I was, I was nine <laughs> when I went to high school. Like Freud, I was in high school. Mom and, knew seven languages and went to high school when she was nine. <laughs> That's so not true. <laughs> but on a very strange end of this spectrum of imposter syndrome would be that at that point in time like I was a pom-pom girl Mm -hmm. so there there was a lot of that imposter syndrome even in that at high school if you can imagine that thinking like I'm not really supposed to be a pom-pom girl because I'm not I'm not that kind of popular kid because in those days I don't know if that's still true but the pommers (laughs) were pretty popular girls I mean I think that's what I kept reading about imposter syndrome is that the higher up you get on the food chain regardless of what food chain that is if it's Mm -hmm. high school or if it's the workplace or if it's academia like the higher up you go the more imposter syndrome you feel Ah. just because there's higher expectations right that makes sense okay but enough about me and my (laughs) junior year when i was nine (laughs) were you just for that i'm gonna say imposter phenomenon damn it That will be your punishment for your sassiness. The ninth circle of hell. (laughs) So there are these two really cool researcher people named Dr. Pauline. Now, I think it's Clancy. C-L-A-N-C-E. Oh, yeah. Would you say Clancy? I don't know for sure. And Dr. Suzanne Imes. And these two doctors, who happen to be women, did some research with 150 high-achieving women. So there were only women Mm -hmm. in their study. But they basically uncovered this idea that these women who were indeed top ranking in standardized testing and and they were achieving all of these academic uh awards and so this was degrees. wait a minute because now i just have junior high school stuck in my head <laughs> they weren't high schoolers wait no were they were they in the workforce or were they in academia both oh okay but they were quote high achieving women okay so they had degrees most of them had degrees that they had earned and they, and like I said, they were really good at their scoring, like on tests and things like that. So they had proof that they were indeed intelligent, high achieving yes. people. Yeah. Okay. They had been externally recognized as high achieving. Right. That's a very good way to say it. But they they discovered these things about these women that they that internally that they did not feel like they really deserved what they had accomplished, and so they studied. I'm going to call her Clancy. I apologize, doctor, if that is not your name. Because she's probably still around. Pauline Pauline. is. She is. She's still doing a lot of. Okay. Yeah, she's done a lot. A lot of stuff. Okay. Yes. Uh, Pauline and Suzanne. (laughs) We know them. (laughs) We're good. We're all in this psychology business together. together. They believed that the framework for the imposter syndrome I don't want to say the other word because Anna will have to sing, but that's actually what, what they usually, they didn't call it the syndrome in their study. They called it the other word. I was going to say they didn't set out to look at that. They just kind of found that right. as a result of whatever they were right. studying, right? Right. But they believe that it developed from um, several factors, including, and this would make perfect sense, gender stereotypes, early family dynamics, culture, and other things that would basically just lead them to this place where they didn't think that they could be as smart as they really were. Mm-hmm. They just or or as good or as talented or whatever the situation is. And as as you said before, Anna, that 
the researchers also determined that the women who were having this phenomenon, sorry, (laughs) 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 that they showcased other symptoms that were related to, as you said, depression and generalized anxiety and low Mm self-esteem. So that makes perfect sense. So they did an academic article a research article in 1978 that explained all these things. Among other things in this article, they talked about that they were just studying women Mm. because they had a very specific idea of what they were going for. Right. But they, in their research article, suggested more research should be done and it should be done on men as well because they believe that there were probably men out there who had the same situation going on in their life. So yeah. So that's the history. That's a moment in history. But there's been, there. it has indeed since 1978 been much research done. And Anna is going to kind of go in that direction. Well, and Clance has done, Clance, Pauline has done a lot of it. Right. Because that's the one, what I would like to talk about next is her scale that she came up with. In 1985. Yes. Exactly. You did your homework really well this That was week. a good year. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, wait, so you were a junior in 78. You had just graduated college? I was, no, I, I graduated early. Because remember, I went to high school when I was nine. Right. But the true part of the story is I did I did college the first time around in just three years. So yeah. I, I was done and in the, I was in radio. You were in 1985. Practicing for our podcast. I was. <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. Okay, so tell me about the scale. So uh, she basically came up with a scale where there are six dimensions of imposter syndrome and you have to meet two of them to be experiencing imposter syndrome, basically. So the first is the imposter cycle. Put a pin in that, we'll come back to it because that requires more explanation. So that's the first one. It's actually my favorite. It's very interesting. So the imposter cycle is the first dimension. Second is the need to be special or the best. The third is characteristics of Superman or Superwoman. Uh, The fourth is fear of failure. The fifth is denial of ability and discounting of praise. The sixth is feeling fear and guilt about success. And a lot of these play into each other. So let's go back to the imposter cycle. What the imposter cycle is, you get a task. So let's say you're in a class and you have to write a paper. So you get this task and then you will go one of two ways with it. You will either over prepare for it or you will procrastinate it. So if you over-prepare for it and then you get positive feedback, you attribute it to, well, I just did a lot of hard work. I just worked really hard. I worked past my shortcomings. So it's not actually my own personal ability that did this. It's just all the work I put into it. And so next time, I got to work 10 hours instead of four. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you're procrastinating, you get positive feedback, you attribute it to luck and not personal ability. So if you if you waited until the last minute and you still did really well, it's not like you're you're going, oh, I just have an aptitude for this. I'm just really good at this subject or I'm really good at writing papers. You just say, I lucked out. You know, the teacher didn't grade it as harshly as they could have. Mm-hmm. You know, you attribute it to all these external factors. So it's both cases, you're discounting the positive feedback that you get and not saying, oh, it's just because I, I did well. Mm-hmm. You're saying it's because of this other thing, this other variable that helped me do well. And then that means because you don't like internalize the positive feedback, the cycle starts over when you get your next task. Mm-hmm. So that is... I, f- I found it especially interesting that the procrastination thing, because in my head, 
procrastination is I just don't want to do it. So mm-hmm. I procrastinate. But for this particular situation, it's a procrastination. Ooh, that's a hard word. It's a <laughs> procrastination because I, I don't know how to do it perfectly enough. And I have to figure out how to make it perfect. And so I, I'm, I'm still cooking. I'm still trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to do it perfectly. Almost every procrastinator I've ever met has been a perfectionist. Mm. I don't think I've ever met someone like I've met people who don't do their work because they're doing other stuff like especially in college I mean people were busy with sports or with going out to parties like they had other stuff on their plate and they would be willingly going I have a paper to do I'm just not I'm just choosing not to do it because I have other stuff to do and that's more important to me the procrastinators in my head are the ones sitting in their dorm room going I have this paper I have this paper I have this paper. <laughs> I have this paper. <laughs> yeah. just, it's constantly, it's like they're constantly using their brain power to think about it. They're just not doing the thing. And I mean, I say they, I am a procrastinator. Like that's that's where I go to in my imposter cycle is I procrastinate and I wait until that. I mean, I was telling you before I was up until four o'clock in the morning <laughs> looking up stuff for imposter syndrome. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm that's, a bit of a procrastinator. <laughs> that's very ironic. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Pauline woke up in the middle of the night. And she's like, someone's doing their imposter cycle right now. <laughs> uh, so uh, so that it always kind of leads to the, oh, I had a client one time. And he was telling me about how he's such a procrastinator. And we had been working together for a, a few weeks at this point, And we had a pretty good rapport. So I kind of looked at him and I was like, oh, you're just a perfectionist. And he got really mad at me because he knew it was true. Mm. He goes, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you make me think of it that way? He goes, no, I'm, and then he kind of stopped and he reflected a bit. And then he goes, yeah, I guess I am. So I think a lot of people, I think that goes into the imposter syndrome too, that they don't say they're perfectionists because that's a good excuse kind of. Well, and the word perfectionist implies that you do things perfectly. You know, I mean, it's got that perfect word That's a high expectation anyway. Yeah. But, well, to me, perfectionist is I want things to be perfect, not mm-hmm. that I do things perfectly. Mm-hmm. I've never met anyone who does things perfectly, so I don't think that's a real thing. My mom used to. She did. She, she was did. the only person. That's why she's in heaven Do now, you think she was a perfectionist? Would you qualify her as a perfectionist? In some things. You know mm-hmm. how some people, you know, like if, if it was about her specifically, like if she had a talk to give or something, yeah, uh, she was a perfect. Thank you for at least leaning away from the mic. It was really loud. (laughs) We're drinking wine today. That should not cause that kind of wine burps. I thought you only get those from beer. Our very first episode, I had a lot of wine burps. Well, here it goes again. It looks like it's happening to you now. (laughs) It's going to (laughs) explode. You have a look on your face that's frightening me. Oh, yeah. We're good. We're good. Yeah. Fine. I I do think that some of us are perfectionists very specifically about certain things that we do I think so too and then it depends on how important it is to us I think it's kind of goes back to that it's kind of a Freudian thing about being retentive expulsive <laughs> listen to our first episode yeah you want to know about <laughs> I don't know that we talked about this though because there's so much about Freud we've talked about we've got to revisit oh, him oh anal retentive right yeah right yeah. so so personality that's retentive and expulsive is in some things you're like oh very anal and you get right. everything in order but but you have to have another part of your life where everything is just like ah, right throw things around and the organized chaos right, or whatever it is right so sometimes you're a perfectionist, but there are other things that you just let go on. So there's always, with all of these things we talk about, there's always like kind of a, a spectrum. Well, yeah. Kind of a- and like that was one of the things, especially when I was looking at imposter syndrome, that there's a whole bunch of different ways it can look. 
and that it's not always going to look this way. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why we talk about the statistics of things that sometimes it's going to look very different, but you're maybe you are still struggling with these feelings and you're just not calling it because it doesn't look the right way. I think there's a big fixation on that when it comes to like diagnosing like you and I have talked about how we hate diagnosing Mm -hmm. when we're seeing people just because things look very different and you're still struggling with something you're still going through something but if it doesn't look the right way then people are probably going to discount it exactly that's hard so that's the scale do you have anything about the prevalence or should I go into that like how, how often people experience I it? I just remember, I do know, I saw in several places that 70%, that was, was that the number, the number you heard. got? Yeah. 70% of all people have some degree of this. Yeah. I believe that. That even seems low to me. I was just going to say, what you and I talked about at the beginning of this episode was more like everyone. 98%. 98%. Yeah. But I guess we're talking full on that. Remember, we've talked about in, in other episodes Again, if you haven't listened to other episodes, <laughs> go back, go back and check. Go them out. back and check them out. <laughs> We've talked about how I just totally lost my train. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're you're referencing in other episodes. Oh, enlighten me. I haven't listened to our other episodes. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's God. What were we talking about? Who uh, am I? The seventy percent. The statistics. The uh, yeah. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Uh, sorry something about another episode yeah it'll come back to me and then I'll be like oh yeah that's what I was gonna say and I don't even have any reason why I just lost my train of thought I don't know where I went just then we giggled I went away I went far away into a land of happiness (laughs) (laughs) what does that land look like mom paint us a picture it's very colorful oh (laughs) it has wine and happy people there we're here that's this, this oh room. i'm here we're here we're in your land of happiness indeed okay so is that the statistic that you had though 70 is what i found in a few places yeah again i don't know how they got that i just remembered it yay <laughs> what is it that the 70 percent maybe could be specific. Making, she's making hand motions so good that we can't why do i get the giggles when we do this I don't know what it is that if it, in order to be diagnosed for many different things, we have to get to a point where it interferes with our everyday life, yeah. where it actually is significant in our everyday life. So therefore, I would say it might be appropriate if, if that's kind of part of their measure of 70%, that it somehow affects the lives of 70%. That's, then it's high. I would say that it, I'll talk about this a little later when I go into like how it affects different genders, but mm-hmm. I would say that probably, I would say men would probably be less likely to admit it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a common problem that men are less likely to admit that they need help Anything. with mental health disorders. Everything. I have a lot less male clients than I have female clients, like personally. You've told me about, I think you probably have kind of an even split. I kind of do. But I have. I, I kind of do. And more. I have a lot of, several couples and families. So. My, I have male clients that are kids, mm-hmm. but, but very, very infrequently will, will adult males come in. So I think it's just. 
Especially on their own. Yeah. Like just choose to. Yeah. It's much more likely in my in my experience that a woman will come to a point where she just says, it's time for me to get some help in this situation. I'd right. like to get some counseling. And I think it's a pride thing. I think it's that men have been socialized to say, you don't need help. You're the strong one. Right. And I think that's really sad. I mean, I think everyone, all humans need help. Gender is irrelevant here. I think that if you're listening to this and you're struggling with something... You don't have to be the strong one. Just get help. Right. Just people need help. That it might be deep. A, that was that was good. I like that okay. deepness. Kind of balances out the giggling I from guess, earlier. I guess. But so, that's why I think the seventy percent. So again, I, I don't when I saw the seventy percent I didn't see if it was like self report or if it was they gave the scale that I mentioned to people and saw how they because there's like a twenty question like test mm-hmm. where if you answer a certain it's like a Likert scale. Um, so if you answer a certain number, then you have mild or moderate imposter syndrome. So I don't know if they gave people that and saw how they, how they responded or if they just said, Hey, do you have imposter syndrome? And people were like, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know how they did it. But 70% is the number that we've found several times. Yes. So, so it happens in a few specific settings. Like if you're in a new environment, academia was referenced a lot. A lot. Especially that, grad students. Yes. Which, personally, holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, my imposter syndrome and my anxiety. Like, I think I... I think I was an anxious person before I went to grad school. I think after grad school, I have an anxiety disorder. I I think... I think I am diagnosable. I I have an anxiety disorder. And, And yeah, like, I think that plays into... The more you know, the more you know that you don't know. Ooh, that's good. So, like, when you have the higher education and you're realizing how much you don't know of all this stuff, then it it makes you feel like you don't know anything, even though... Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, I really think so. That's, like, one of my favorite, favorite sayings. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. One of the things that I read specifically about grad school was the idea of doing internships in -hmm. whatever field you go into, that you do those internships as a grad student. You do that as an undergrad, too. Sometimes you do internships. But you have those moments during that time where you think, oh, my gosh, I'm out here actually dealing with people. Yeah. I don't really know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that in internship and practicum where it was – I mean, I was actually counseling. I mean, Mm -hmm. I had clients. I remember being like, oh, my God, should I tell them I'm an intern? Like, should I? I did. I did disclose that to them. But I was always like, uh, do you guys know that I don't have a degree? I don't have a degree or anything. Tell me your problems. But I'm a very good listener. I'm a very good listener, I've heard. So, yeah, uh, new environment, academia, work, social interactions, and relationships, either platonic or romantic. And... I'm looking at this setting list thinking, that's everything, right? What I was going to say, that's pretty else? much everything you When you're at you home alone your with your cats, that's the only time you don't feel imposter syndrome is when you're at home watching Netflix with your cats. That's the only time. <laughs> and even then, sometimes your cats look at you and you think, oh, they know. <laughs> they know. They know that I don't know how to be a cat mom. They don't. I don't know what they really need. I know. I'm just pretending to do, to I do just, that. I just feed them when I remember. That's so everything. Well, that is everything. That's that's kind of sad. That's that weird. makes me sad. Oh, so specifically for romantic relationships, it's related to living up to the expectations of your lovers. So it's it's not necessarily like I don't know how to be in a romantic relationship. It's like I don't know how to be in a romantic relationship with this person. Mom, why are you giggling? <laughs> 
I just wondered where you were going with that banana. I didn't thought, know where you were going. I thought I was going to get a little sexy with it. I thought you were going to get dirty. Dirty talk over there. When my husband listened to the first episode, like afterwards, <laughs> I was like, uh, I was like, well, did you like it? And he goes, well, I heard my mother-in-law say penis a lot more than I would like. <laughs> Oh, poor Nathan. <laughs> Sorry, Nathan. We maybe shouldn't have started with Roy. I was using it appropriately. We were, yes. yes I wasn't was... talking dirty that time. Oh, that <laughs> on air. So I'm very interested to know what you were going to say about the different gender. Where were you going to oh. go with gender? And Yeah, yeah. That's my next bullet. bullet. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, so I was getting anxious. You were, you were getting ahead of me. So even the, so, you talked a little bit about how the first paper specifically focused on women with imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. But newer studies, I don't know. I kind of found it split both ways. That half of the studies said, yeah, it still does affect women disproportionately for men. Right. Again, that may come back to self-report and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there are also a lot of studies that say, no, men and women are equally affected by this. You're making a face. And I kind of agree. I, you and I, I would talked say it's about. harder. It's, I don't know. It, but, okay, so this goes, let me, let me circle back to the study that I want to talk to about this. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> making motions with my hands. Now Anna's mom. making hand motions. Yeah. I, I learned it from watching you, okay? Uh, so there's a 2018 study, so really recent. Wow. I know. Where it's uh, male and female communication and business undergrads. And they took a big sample. They measured their imposter syndrome levels using the scale. And then they asked them GRE questions. And if you don't don't know what the GRE is, it's the test that you basically have to take to get into graduate school. So you had to pass this test to be able to get into graduate school. We didn't have to take it. <laughs> We specifically chose a school where he didn't have to do the GRE. <laughs> or I did. had imposter syndrome. Yeah, we're like, oh, we can't do the GRE, so we're going to not do that. Uh, so <laughs> we took, we did not take the GRE. But many, especially business and, and communication, that kind of stuff, you have to do the GRE to get into grad school. So they asked them five GRE questions. And then once they turned in their answers, they gave them negative feedback. They basically said, you got every question wrong. Oh. Yeah, and then they had them do it again. Whether they did it or not? Whether they had it wrong or not? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, they just gave them... I know. Mean. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's just mean. I know, let's talk about the ethics of that study. <laughs> no. Uh, so they, they basically Cruelty. said, you did, that, you did that wrong, you got all the answers wrong. So they had them do it again. The, the males with imposter syndrome, they kind of imploded. They did way worse on the second time than they did the first time. And the women performed better so after the negative feedback the males said okay i'm just gonna stop trying and the females did really well they like racked it wow that's interesting yeah so the people that did this study were basically saying this could be based in gendered expectations that males are expected to be competent and females are expected to be warm and empathetic rather than competent so Females are already kind of expected to perform badly in those kind of situations. Hmm. So they're freer to try harder and exceed expectations because the bar's lower for them. And Hmm. they feel free like, well, I'm already here. I'm already doing this outside of the expectations that they have for me. So I'm just, I'm going to do better. I'm going to exceed that. 
but males have the higher expectations on them. So they say, there's no way I can possibly meet this. I'm just not going to try. Hmm. That's kind of what the researchers theorize. And again, that's extrapolating some information. But I, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair to say. You know, males have more to lose. And so they sort of self-handicap more. And females already go into situations like that feeling like they have to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. So they're expecting that. They're expecting negative feedback. And so they are prepared to try to exceed those expectations. You have a weird look on your face. What's it about? I always get uncomfortable when we... Because I, I, I buy that. I, I mean, I've lived that, that, that we as women have a different expectation from society on what we do and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I got that. I'm old. I get it. However, I always get uncomfortable with it because I do know, I, I always worry about overgeneralizing because yeah. of And that's what we were talking women. about earlier, that, you know, it may look differently and it may, I, I don't want to extrapolate this to everyone. I'm right. just saying in this particular study, perhaps, or, you know, right. generally on a statistical level, this is usually what's happening. Mm-hmm. So but everyone's different. This is maybe where I would go with that. Is we look at these things and we say this in general. If you're listening and you're like, wait a minute, I'm a guy and I have imposter syndrome huge and this is why, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's that's all good. That's we fine. all have to exactly embrace who we are, that's, whether we're male or female. I think one of the reasons that I am skeptical of research is because it is generalized so much from a subset of people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I can't remember how, I want to say like 250. I don't think that's right. It may have been way more. But, but yeah, it, it's just, you take this subset of this population. I don't even remember if they were from the same school or anything. So maybe it's a school environment thing. Mm-hmm. I, there's so many factors when we when we look at this research and we look at these statistics that it's hard. That's why I don't like research. I was just going to say, that's why you love research class love so research much. I so all much. That, all the variables. I love it so much. Trying to make something be consistent that has so many yeah. variables. But the same study did say that when they did the scale with these students that they found imposter feelings were higher overall among women. I couldn't find specific statistics on people of color and how they experience it versus versus white people so i would probably say that people of color experience it way more i didn't find specific statistics but i did find i did read quite a bit about that that yes people of color of of any nationality that is not specifically caucasian just people of color yeah yes and again i feel like that's because of the same thing that we are generalizing with women which is people of color going into these positions where usually it's white males right that they have a lot more to live up to and they have a lot lower bars so they're going to try to achieve higher but they still have really high feelings of imposter syndrome right um i read that women of color may be susceptible way more due to double minority status basically exactly there was one 2013 study of people of color so they took african-american latin american and asian american students and they basically tested their levels of imposter syndrome and what they found was that Asian American students had higher imposter feelings. And it was weird. Like, the, the research study was baffled about this. They're like, why? Or like, they do so good, though. Look at their GPS. They do so good. But just, <laughs> that's, that's how, how, I, that's that's how, how I imagine all researchers sound. <laughs> all researchers all sound researchers like that. All researchers sound that. like that. Hey, they do so good. Guys, look at this table that I made with all the variables. The numbers. Oh, the numbers. Look at the numbers. 
Our biases are showing. Anna. Correlation. Hate <laughs> it. I hate research so much. Standard deviation. <laughs> Standard deviation. <laughs> They're all birds. <laughs> But honestly, when when I read that, though, I thought that kind of made sense because, you know, we have this social thing about people of Asian descent. Yes. Like, that. oh, they're so smart. They're all so smart. So then it's like, you'd have to sit in yourself and say. Higher expectation comes in. It's like, I can never possibly live up to that. Even if they, even if objectively, like we said, they are. Even if they do have the highest GPAs in the school, they still have everyone thinks that I'm going to be the best mm-hmm. and I can't possibly be that. Right. So so they're going to have those high imposter syndrome feelings. But again, the researchers were like, what's that about? Why? <laughs> you just want to keep doing the I just do, <laughs> do the rest of the episode as a researcher. We should do a whole episode as researchers. <sighs> we can do voices. Our key to that voice. Okay, mom. What? Can you tell us a little bit about management and how to kind of get over imposter syndrome? I can, except it's so, it seems overly simplified (laughs) in everywhere that I read about management. Because Clancy, or Clance, Mm -hmm. Pauline, Dr. Pauline, Pauline, Dr. Pauline, specifically has done like follow-up stuff about how to manage it. But several other authors have also done things about, about managing your imposter syndrome. And, and I, honestly, it boils down, I'll list them for you, but I, I would say first that it boils down to kind of the like CBT kind of stuff of positive self-talk is big in all this. Yeah. But, but let me just kind of give you a list of what they say. Like one, one thing they say is to own your victory. So to actually accept that you have a victory and instead of saying oh I just got that because I'm lucky right you actually say the imposter cycle basically right you basically say to yourself no I got this because I studied and I'm smart Mm -hmm. and and that's why I got it you know you don't have to be boastful or conceited yeah and also this goes back to so when I was looking at the imposter cycle I was surprised because to me what I've always kind of been taught is being smart is just natural, but working hard is something that takes effort and that you have to do. Mm-hmm. So for you to say like, well, I didn't actually do it. It's not my natural ability. Like if you're the overworker type or the overplanner type that, oh, it's just because I worked really hard. It's not a natural ability. Mm. But that's something you did. I mean, that's an accomplishment. That it's you okay put a lot to of, work hard. And exactly. Get, yeah. Like that's what you have to do in life. You have to work hard and yeah, natural aptitude plays into it, but people get to choose whether or not they work hard. So I don't think that's a reason to like poo-poo your own accomplishments just because you... It's never good to I know poo-poo. mom is, is <laughs> one and a half glasses in because she laughed at poo-poo. <laughs> it was the way you said it, not specifically I tried to say it in like the, you know, the... At poo-poo. Like poo-poo your own accomplishments. <laughs> like the sort of posh way to say it, I guess. I got it. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. To own your own victories, um, don't just look for external validation. So learn how to feel better about yourself without just depending on other people telling you you did a good job. I mean, it's lovely when someone tells you you do a good sure, job. Sure, but if you have imposter syndrome that bad, you're not going to believe them anyway. Right. So you have to not depend on that. 
This one says, <laughs> some of them I'm not sure I agree with. This one says, act before you are ready. So in those situations, if you know that you're one of those people who prepare and prepare and put off and put off, mm-hmm. then you need to, to do a little self-talk and say, I'm just doing this. I'm going to do it now. Instead of being perfectly prepared, once in a while, just jump your butt in there. Because you're never going to feel perfectly prepared. Right, right. So so again, just it goes do down it. to self-talk. It just goes down it. to that thing where the you say. The moral of the story is just wing it. Just right. wing it all the time. Fake don't you plan. It. Don't prepare. Just mm-hmm. wing it. Wait, why don't you agree with that one? Because I know that people that have this would have, many people would have a great anxiety about the failing part. So then if they're acting before but they're they ready. But they had that anyway. That's true. I think it almost kind of is like when we talked about phobias and we talked about how you overcome phobias by just actually being exposed. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes that might might happen with this, that you have to jump. And actually the next one on the list is to fail once in a while. So if Which you do, is, that's going to happen anyway. Right, so it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So, and when you do have a failure that you say to yourself, Everybody does. Everybody uh-huh. fails. So we're back to self-talk again. I read, you, I can't remember. It was while I was researching for this, but I can't remember who said it or in what context. But they said, failure is not, and I'm going to butcher the quote, failure is not an enemy of success. It's a part of it. Mm. It's that if you're going to succeed, you're going to fail a few that times. Makes, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Another one on the list is, <laughs> the way they word it is, expose themselves. <laughs> So I better clarify that. It's no, I was just going to compliment you on that fun laugh that you do when you think something's really like goofy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what came out dirty. Okay. Um, expose yourself. Moving on. Next one. Not going to explain that one at all. Go to the park. Expose yourself. Um, one of the things that Clancy specifically said is through her study that it was significant when people could get together in a group. So basically group therapy. Right. Get together in a group and talk with other people who experience the same issues, which we know from the success of group therapy, one of the big, huge things about group therapy is the, that universality. Yes. Universality. Universality. That's hard that's, to say. And that's that's something that I find even in individual counseling that I think it's much more effective in group settings because they're hearing it from other people who are kind of in their same I would consider myself in the same station as my clients, but I don't think they do. It's like yeah, the lab right. coat situation. So, yeah. so like I think it, it's more impactful when they hear it from other people. But I have experienced even when clients are explaining things to me and I'm saying that's very common. What you're feeling is very common. Right. Uh, whether imposter syndrome or anything else, what I'm saying, like that's a very common, you know, experience of grief. That's a very common experience of depression. That's a very common experience of panic attacks. That's really common, and a lot of people go through it. Mm-hmm. There's always this kind of, oh, oh, good. <laughs> I'm not a freak. I'm not weird. I'm not, you know, out of the right. norm. I am the norm. Exactly. So, I think that's a really, a really important thing where. Especially when I'm faking it and no one else is, but right. everyone is. But then you hear that everybody else yeah. Yes, exactly. So this one that says expose yourself is basically about sharing. They do need a different name, though. <laughs> I know. It's sharing. Being honest. Being authentic about, about it and, and sharing. And um, I mean, that's kind of a root of all counseling. Just mm-hmm. facing facing the facts, being authentic, being self-aware, mm-hmm. all of those good good little buzzwords that that we use i i feel like i do that one pretty well like when i'm when people say like 
say a compliment to me. I, I'm very, we've talked about this before, I'm very bad about accepting compliments, but when people say something nice to me, I'll just be like, cool, I have no idea what I'm doing. Thank you though. Thanks. <laughs> I have, I wing. I winged it. I wung it? Yeah, winged but that's, it. okay. Let's address, let's oh un- no. Let's unpack that, no! shall we? Not- <laughs> <laughs> it's my suitcase, leave Because, alone. because oh, if no. you, if, if you look at one of the other things on their list, which is, I can't find it now, but I know yeah, it's, it's here. such a long list. About knowing your, oh, it's on this side. <laughs> Knowing your expertise. My best paper notes again. No, I do have paper notes all <laughs> over the table. That you do you do have to be able to admit sometimes that you are good at something. I right. mean, you have certain gifts. So, and I do think for you personally, my daughter, that is difficult for you to ad- yes. ever admit, I am very intelligent. I think that's hard for you to, can you say that? Uh, not, it's hard for you. It's very hard for you. I'm clever. Yeah. See, you always minimize that you are an extremely intelligent woman. So there is Okay. One- I learned it from watching you. <laughs> because you also have a very hard time admitting that. I have to constantly get on your ass about down talking yourself. Say you say it. You say I'm a very intelligent woman. I am a very intelligent woman. Wow, you faked that really well. <laughs> Now I have terrible <laughs> imposter syndrome. I'm sorry, you didn't have it before. Now you have it now. Now I have uh, it. <clears throat> but it is important that you do admit what you're good at. <laughs> She's playing with our little mascot Podcast right dots now. here. Listen to, what was that, episode two? Yeah, Love Language. Listen to episode two. Podcast yeah. dot got You'll introduced. know all about him. Um, so know your expertise. Recognize your expertise. So that's kind of like a balance. We talk about that a lot. Um, that's because that's what you and I believe psychology. a lot. It's just the, the idea balance. of balance, right? So, so balance. Know the things that you do well, and even you know, like make a list when nobody else is around. Make a list of the things you do well, and try to to embrace those things. And you know, I think the opposite is true as well. Know the things you don't really do well, and that you do kind of have to fake. Mm-hmm. Like being able to admit that about yourself and saying like, okay, if I can't avoid these things, then I'm just going to have to fake it. That's mm-hmm. fine. That's fine. But you have to do the other thing too. You have to say, I am good at this. I'm good. I'm good at connecting with people. I feel like I'm good at art. I wouldn't say I'm overly intelligent. That's not one of the things that I think about myself. So no. you just picked a weird thing for me to try to, to repeat into a microphone. Okay. But I mean, I I have seen proof of your intelligence. I've seen your standardized. I don't care tests. about proof. I have imposter syndrome. <laughs> Listen to the rest and of the episode, there Mom. There you have it. <laughs> Boom. We can stop now. Boom. Cut. <laughs> Cut and print. Thank but you, actually, everyone. That's Thank perfect- you. This has been Freudian slips. You can find us. That's a perfect example, though. Actually, that's a perfect example because I I'm your mommy, so I've seen your standardized tests since second grade or whenever okay, you started. Okay, but we also okay, so and, like, and I've seen your graduate school scores. Yes, when and, we tested to be and counselors. we all tested like you and I both tested the same. I got like two points higher than you. Two points is two pounds. Oh my god! Well, it's I already so- said I'm an intelligent woman. So. You also <laughs> went into that test if totally. Totally down talking yourself and saying, I didn't study for this at all, and I haven't taken tests for 30 years, and I'm going to do horrible, and you still got two points lower than the person who had just gotten out of undergrad. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to take off my headset and fight you. Please, no violence here. Let's fight. Okay, but the, but 
I go back to what I what I was trying to say before my daughter became violent with me. Sorry, I got a little overwhelmed. <sighs> I learned it from watching. Is that you see the you see the proof? The proof is there, and and still you you doubt. Right, it. right. So so steering. So like it, we can we can look. I mean, you and I both have our master's degrees on our walls in our yeah. office, and and even I think last week I had someone. Yeah, I last I told you about it. So I had someone come in and he was talking and he was like, I don't even tell my wife this, but I tell you because you're trained and you have education for this. And I went, ha, 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 So I mean, even though what he said was objectively true, I have gone to school for this and I graduated school, which means someone somewhere said, yeah, she's ready to be out in the world. That doesn't matter because we don't feel ready to be out in the world. I've been out in the world for a long time. <laughs> and you still don't feel ready. And I still don't like it. So summing it up, basically, with the management, the biggest thing is, first of all, to embrace your own strengths, mm-hmm. to know what your own strengths are, mm-hmm. know what your weaknesses are, but realize that you can work toward getting stronger yeah. and or fake it till you make it. Right. And just the idea of one of the things that's on my list is to ask for help. So if it yeah. becomes so overwhelming that you because I did read that as well that what happens sometimes is it becomes so overwhelming that we don't do as well because we just already like you said you negative you give up you negative talk yourself yeah. to the point where you're like well I can't do it and anyway. you self handicap you say right. I'm not I'm not exactly. going to live up to that expectation anyway so I'm just not going to try so if you feel like you're doing that in your life that might be the time where you want to get help so to talk to uh, a counselor mm-hmm. and, and learn those coping skills of, of right. positive self-talk. And they're probably going to say a lot of the things that mom has already been saying, was, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, change it, like reframing some of those thoughts about yourself. Reframing mm-hmm. is what we call like in counseling, just turning some of those thoughts on their head and looking at them in a different way that is, is more forgiving basically mm-hmm. to yourself. Mm-hmm. So they're going to go over a lot of the things that mom's already talking about. And even if it's a mentor, maybe you don't feel like you're in a point where you need to go to counseling about it. But if you if you have a, a good, trustworthy mentor in your life, yeah, or that even you can just someone to. that you love that you feel like is going to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. This is I talk about this a lot with my clients, and it, it plays in a lot with anxiety and depression, which is just reality checking. I do this when I have social situations a lot because, again, okay, so that's something I'll say. I, I think I'm pretty competent socially. But when I have a social situation, I'll come back and be like, that was awful. I was I was a mess. I didn't do anything right. But if my husband was there with me, I'll say, hey, was that weird? Was that interaction weird? And he'll, much more often than not, I don't think he's ever, the times he has, he's been like, it was just a weird situation. It, was it just, wasn't all your everyone fault. Everyone was weird. Yeah. He's never been like, yeah, you really were acting weird. Like, he's always like, no, you were fine. Mm-hmm. You were fine. And so because I trust him and because I think he will say the truth to me, I trust him when he says that to me. Mm-hmm. So, again, that's kind of dancing that line between the external validation but sometimes when our brains are being weird and telling us negative untrue things we do need to have someone we trust on the outside going no that's a negative untrue thing and we need to get you out of it that's a perfect way to say that thank you thank you thanks mom i'm not just saying that because i'm your mommy i know that's a very good way to say it to tell me the truth so so basically this whole thing about Imposter phenomena. 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 Three glasses in. <laughs> <laughs> Took me that long. 
is kind of what we've talked about pretty much in every episode at least a little bit and that is that yeah. we're we're growing towards self-awareness because yep. that's our shtick yep um that's our shtick to be self-aware <laughs> our so, shtick is making really bad microphone noises <laughs> in the microphone so if you feel like any of these things um kind of apply to you you can do further research or you can um see a counselor if you feel mm-hmm. like you're struggling with some of them but the bottom line is you're not alone a lot of people Especially struggle with this. Especially see a counselor because, like we said before, some of this plays into, and it's kind of the chicken or the egg thing, like, you know, if you have imposter syndrome, it can get worse into anxiety or depression. Or if you, you already have anxiety. anxiety. Yeah, you mm-hmm. could be experiencing imposter syndrome as just sort of a side effect. Right. So if you feel like it's way worse than just what we're talking about, you mm-hmm. probably do have some sort of anxiety or depression, and I would really recommend seeing a counselor for that. But I always feel like, I want to say, like, as the last thing, is you're not alone. That's the last thing. I have a thing. I have some more. Oh, you still have more? I have famous people who have talked oh, about like, it. Oh, that's a good way to end it, though. So yeah. so you're not alone. Even famous people have the struggle. A lot of famous people. Tell us like, about the famous people. You just look up, like, celebrity imposter syndrome, and there's, like, a whole bunch of lists of, like, you know, 25 celebrities tell quotes about how they felt like this. So uh, just some of the ones that I found. So the first one is Maya Angelou. And again, we were talking when I told mom, she could not believe it. Like when we think about you know strong, powerful women, we think of Maya Angelou. She's like such a public figure. But her quote about this is: "I have written eleven books, but each time I think, uh oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a (laughs) game on everybody, and they're going to find me out." Wow, isn't that amazing? I want to meet her and hug her. Yeah, she seems like she'd be a really good hugger. (laughs) She does. (laughs) But I mean, of anybody that to doubt herself, right? Yeah. But she's also a woman of color. Mm, so she has that double. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks. Tom. I know. Tom Hanks. Of all the people, he seems like a He sweetie. does everything cool. Hey, Tom Hanks, if you're listening, will you come on this show? Yeah, Tom. I really love you. My Angela, too. Anyone we mentioned. Yeah, yes. Oh, this is a good time to mention this. Pauline. Pauline. Hey, if anyone here listening knows Pauline, first of all, tell us how to say your last name. I'm really sorry. But second of all, I would love to talk to you. Wouldn't it be cool to have an episode where she was on and we could oh, talk yeah. to her about foster syndrome? That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Tom Hanks. So no matter what we've done, there comes a point where you think, how did I get here? When are they going to discover that I am, in fact, a fraud and take everything away from me? Wow. That's very deep. And that's what, so like a lot of these lists that I found, I was specifically looking for like the word fraud. Mm. That's what a lot of people characterize it as, is feeling like a fraud and feeling like you're deceiving. Like like Maya Angelou said, running a game. Right. So just feeling like you're intentionally deceiving people, even though that's not, you're just doing, you're just doing your you're life. Just being you. Okay. Yeah. So Dr. Margaret Chan, um, she was ranked 2013's 30th most powerful woman. Uh, she was head of the World Health Organization twice. Wow. Mm-hmm. She said, there are an awful lot of people out there who think I'm an expert. How do these people believe all this about me? I'm so much aware of all the things I don't know. Which is exactly what we were talking about earlier. Before. The more you yeah. know, the more I, you realize you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. I love how she said that because that's, especially in academia, mm-hmm. I feel like that plays in a lot. Just I know all that's out there and I know how much of it I'm completely unaware of. Mm-hmm. And so how do these people think I, I know anything? Because I know so little. Mm-hmm. John Steinbeck, very famous writer. But he said, I am not a writer. I've been fooling myself and other people. And he's, he wrote that in his journal. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think that's sad. Uh, he admires characters for being stronger and purer and braver than he was. Isn't that Aww, sad? Oh, it is sad. Jodie Foster, 
Oh, I love her. I know. And she's, I mean, she's been famous since she was a kid. Yeah. I mean, she's, she has a long, a little illustrious kid. career. Mm-hmm. She said, I thought it was a fluke. I thought everybody would find out and they'd take it back. They'd come to my house knocking on the door. Excuse me, we meant to give that to someone else. That was going to Meryl Streep. <laughs> Which is hilarious because I, my next person is Meryl Streep. No. Yes, Meryl Streep. She oh said, gosh. you think, why would anyone want to see me again in a movie? And I don't know how to act anyway, so why am I doing this? Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> so just all these people who, again, this comes to that external validation. I mean, like, we all think these people are amazing. I'm... I'm right. generalizing. If you don't think Meryl Streep is amazing, you shouldn't be listening to this. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Fight me. So, yeah, like these people that so many people look at as just the pinnacle of great actors and actresses and amazing public figures. I mean, Maya Angelou, even though people, I, I didn't know the name Dr. Chan until I, I read it, but she's been head of the World Health Organization. That's a huge she's, organization. Yeah, sure. So, so yeah, I, we know these people. We recognize these people as people who have done great things and and are very good at what they do in their field, but they're still saying, nope, I'm a fraud. Mm -hmm. It's just really sad. And I mean, it's sad, but it's sad that we all experience that. But it's good that we all experience it. Right, there's that universality thing of of us saying, Me and Meryl, Meryl and I, we're like (laughs) I mean, yeah. Meryl, she can't act. I can't act. If you want to come on the show, you can act. (laughs) Shut up. Meryl, come be on our show. Come be on our show, Meryl. Or Tom Hanks. <laughs> or Jodie Foster. Dr. Chan. We can have a panel. Any Anyone. of y'all. Any of you. All of you. Come on. <laughs> we'll have an imposter day. <laughs> imposter day. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Are there any closing thoughts you want to wrap up with? Well, I'm going to go back to what I said before about that you're, you're not the only one. Yeah. There's a lot of solace in that, knowing that you're not the only one who feels that way. Right. But in the meantime, give yourself a little pep talk and say, I am good at some stuff. Look at what right. I'm good at. Right. And then for the rest of that feeling of imposter, just say, well, you know, even Meryl feels it. So, <laughs> hey. You know, Tom Hanks feels like an imposter. Yeah. Then I'm okay. Yeah. And I think, again, exposing yourself. <laughs> like, I think... Even if you go, if you're in school or if you're in the workplace, just going to your student, like fellow students or your coworkers and saying like, I really just feel like I'm faking it today. Mm-hmm. Look at how many other people around you will go like, yeah. I remember we did that a lot in grad school. Oh, that God. those moments yeah. before the professor came in and we'd all be talking and like, oh, those moments that we shared real mm-hmm. honesty with each other were mm-hmm. very powerful. Yeah. I kind of miss those days. Yeah. I don't miss the papers. No. The test, but or... I miss I miss our fellow classmates. Yeah, and I think that is an important thing to have when it comes to that universality piece is finding people in your sphere of influence, of in your workplace or in your school, who yeah. are going to be honest with you and going to be saying, "Yeah, I'm feeling the same things you're feeling." Because a lot of that is just where you are. A lot of it is just when you're in, you know, higher education, you're going to be feeling a certain way. And when you're in the workplace, you're going to be feeling a certain way. Um, It's just part of being an adult, I think, at some point, is just feeling like it's overwhelming and feeling like you don't know what you're doing because a lot of it isn't explained to us. I mean, we kind of just have to figure it out. Right. And especially if you don't have, like, if you don't have a great mom, like I have, to call whenever you need to figure out how to do your taxes, then... uh, (laughs) find someone find someone that you can go to and try to increase your feelings of competency Mm -hmm. because that goes back to what you said about internal validation Mm -hmm. which is like 
you know, people outside of you can tell you as much as you want. You're doing great. You're doing fine. Know what you're doing. You're, everything's great. But you're not going to believe that unless you personally feel competent. So try to learn more if you feel like you don't know enough. I mean, we can always, that's something I tell my clients. We, we're always learning and growing. Right. We are always trying to be our better selves. So if and you feel like you're not competent, try to gain more competence. And it sounds ridiculously simple, but just do the self-talk. Yeah. Just do the... Self-talk is huge. It I think is a lot huge. of people underestimate it. Well, we've kind of made jokes about it through the years, but it, yeah. we've made jokes because it's true that, mm-hmm. it, that it really helps. Mm-hmm. Give yourself a pep talk. And surround yourself by those people that lift you up. And when you want to just hang out with people, hang out with people that make you laugh. Like, yeah. come hang out with us on our podcast come every week. Out. Come listen to our podcast and, and listen as and we talk about us. how we are also faking it <laughs> until we make it. And laugh with us. Maybe yeah. have a glass of box wine with <laughs> a us. Glass of box, a box of glass wine. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> Okay, banana. Will you thank the people for listening? We really appreciate that you are listening. We feel like you're our friends and that you come and have a little beverage with us and hang out with us and laugh with us. So we're so glad even that you're, you're with us. Even if you're not drinking, drinking. Yes, drink even if you're driving your car, yeah, you I don't want you to be drinking. Don't drink so if you're driving. wherever you are, if you're driving or if you're in the shower or wherever you happen to be, I when feel you're like listening. if you're having a shower, you can have a nice shower beer. <laughs> well, you could maybe, yeah. Just or a don't nice get shower, in the water. Glass of wine. Yeah. But we hope that you feel comfortable with us and that you're laughing with us too because that's kind of one of our main goals is to just have some time to laugh together. So yeah, uh, we thank you for being with us and we hope you'll join us for our next episode. Oh. That was thunder. thunder. Outside, that was like God. Whoa. God wants I you to listen to listen, our next episode listen. too. That's pretty awesome that our episode okay. ends with thunder. It's God saying, and it's keep shall be. recording. <laughs> okay, I'll try to do this faster than a sliding strike. So you can find us a lot of places online. The main place is FreudianSipsPod.com. I try to keep that as updated as possible with links to everywhere else you can follow us, uh, like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all by the name FreudianSipsPod. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com. There's also a contact form on the site. If you like what we're doing, you want to help us with hosting costs or with buying supplies like fancier frames for our, you know, master's degrees that we actually have and we actually got, uh, you can support us on Patreon, also by the name Freudian Sips Pod. You can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get your audio entertainment, wherever you do it. Uh <laughs> Please remember to leave us a nice rating and review wherever you can do that, wherever you're listening. Our theme music is Sweeter for Moods by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this. Mm-hmm.